Hello and welcome back to Darling Why. I'm Kate and this week me and Louis are going to talk a lot about ghosts and sing a lot of catchy riffs at each other. If you like our show, please subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice and with that, let's get to it. Do you say Prequel or Prequel? I've wondered this. You pick one now and we'll stick with it. Um, I've heard him, I've heard Tobias Forge say Prequel. Oh, interesting, because I thought it was going to be the other way around. I was like, maybe in the Latin it'll be Prequel. But yeah, Prequel, because that's the French. Yeah. Uh, Sounds more like, I'm going to say Prequel then. Yeah, I'm going to try and, I'm going to stick with that. So, uh, clearly from not knowing how to pronounce the name of the album, (laughs) we're going to be talking about the album Prequel, which is the fourth album from Swedish rock band Ghost. Um, It came out in 2018, but Ghost have been around a lot longer than that mm-hmm. so they were formed in 2006 didn't post songs until about 2010 and then they later followed up the same year with their first album opus eponymous and i don't want to you know do a huge rundown of their entire career or anything because i think each album has its own era mythos and era yeah and um gonna, mm. just whole story around it so there's yeah. no point going in depth into all of that and i'm really picking it up you know, at the most recent iteration. But basically, let, their shtick, which is a shtick, let's, yeah. let's not pretend, um, is this theatre of like an anti-Pope, Papa Emeritus and the Nameless Ghouls, with all the trappings of high church and ritual. Um, and then there's different iterations of this, like who is the leader of this quasi-religion yeah. for each different yeah. album cycle. It's a direct inverse, isn't it? Of Literally, yes. Yeah. It's, it's really taken a lot of the the imagery and visuals of... Even the structures uh, from... Yeah. yeah, of Catholicism mm. specifically and kind of use like the robes. There's a proper name for the incense. Oh God, um, there is, isn't it? It's uh, the... Oh, the... the swingy da. thing. There is yeah, a, the there swingy is a word. thing. Yeah, I'm going to call it the, the religious mace. Thing. The religious <laughs> And mace is different, which you know because of all that night fight we watched. <laughs> But in any case, they've built up within their fans and in in mm. the in the image itself, kind of the whole clergy around yeah. that as well. So there is non imagery. There's a lot of non imagery. There's Sister Imperator, which again I might be saying wrong. The I'm sure fans, it's Imperator, but I'm, I'm probably it wrong could as well. well be that. Yeah. But the fans yeah. are very committed. Yes. And love a dress up. Yeah. It's certainly worth your while if you've not seen how ghosts look. And how their fans look like the whole visual of it all certainly worth giving a quick google mm-hmm. for context because you have again some of the sort of the trappings of like a, a, a black metal death metal type thing because it's all corpse paint but um, also the trappings of things like for example kiss yeah exactly it could it could go either way and i think it's become as each iteration goes on a bit more kiss um, <laughs> but it is you know technically corpse paint and all the band are masked uh, with different, again, masks yeah. for each cycle. So you not only have the face paint, but you have the mask on top. No one, they say, well, we say no one knew, but no one knew who the band were until officially 2017, although there were very educated guesses based on who owned the songs. Yeah. <laughs> who, like, based who was, on who, who was listed on was, the publishing. Yeah, we yeah who was listed, yeah. good yeah. guess. <laughs> but officially, the secret identities 
came out in 2017 and the leader of Ghost is a man called Tobias Forge and uh, there was a lawsuit from yes. the name of schools and it all kind of came out from there. Yeah. But he is the creative architect behind the band. He, uh, you know, with, with some co-writers sometimes writes all the songs, kind of visualises the whole um, Do we know if he plays all the all. instruments on the records? Uh, it depends on the records. So yeah. what it tends to be, he definitely, what he said in um, recent interviews is at some point he plays all the instruments and then he might get someone else who's better at it to come yeah. in and do it. So he might set up like the drum beats, but then he gets a, yeah. a, a proper drummer as it were to get in. Especially with drums, he yeah. says, is his kind of um, weak spot yeah. when it comes to instrumentation. Because he's good at guitar. But I think he writes it all. Yeah, so yeah. he writes it on the piano, but then, and he has stylings and things. Yeah. And he says, part of um, getting the, the live band to work is getting them to play at his level rather than, by his own measure, their higher level. Yeah. <laughs> so dumbing it down a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does, he does like write it all. And, yes. and at some point, he says, like, plays the instruments and then sometimes brings other people in to, yeah. to tighten it up a little bit. Hmm. So that brings us to 2018, kind of in the shadow of that lawsuit, and they released album number four for Kel. And what's interesting about this, I think, is some of the songs were written at the same time as the previous album, Meliora. So Rats, which is the first single of the album, was written then, and they kind of played around with it live and things. And you can hear that because there's a motif on Rats that's also in some of the songs in Meliora and is also in Ashes on this album. So Ashes, Meliora, the intro track. Yeah, and so Meliora it's Book Sonnet, which is yeah. Ghost yes. Sonnet in English. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's nice. It kind of creates a link within like the universe and the storyline yes. of Ghost. Yeah. And again, not to go too deep into the previous albums, but they all, they're not concept albums, but they all have kind of a thematic yeah which i think is really interesting and they do kind of follow on from one another yeah. to a certain degree so where we've kind of come into in terms of the story of it all is this album is heavily based on themes of the plague of the apocalypse yeah so like the the black plague yeah and in that sense again you have this kind of theater mm. around the whole album this album to me has always felt very very theatrical even compared to the other ones? Yes. Oh, yeah. Interesting. It, it To me, the first time I heard it, I thought, this is like the best musical I've ever heard. Yeah. But I'm not... <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's part of why it appeals to me so much is because I love musicals. And I love, you know, I love a, I love a theme. I love a, a motif running throughout yeah. something. And Ashes like, feels like an overture and Rats is the opening number. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, it does feel like that legitimately. It's kind of posed as like around a theme rather than like a concept album Mm. um and you know not to dunk on the concept of concept albums but i feel like it's not that i'm not a fan because i think when it works (laughs) it does work i just think that a lot of concept albums well i'm scrapping half my list (laughs) i just think that a lot of concept albums need someone to come in and tell you what they're about like you wouldn't pick it up from the record itself okay not all but there are certainly mind. some I'll bear that in mind <laughs> and like that's not to say that they're not good albums yeah I just don't think that if I hadn't heard the story from like the singer in an interview yeah. I would have followed it yeah do you know what I mean so like I don't necessarily think 
I would have followed American Idiot without them saying what the story yeah. of it is. I don't think I necessarily would have followed The Black Parade unless they said the whole story of it, yeah. to be quite honest. Okay. Which again, is not to say that they're bad albums. It's just that I think that, I, for me anyway, I kind of needed that extra bit of, this is, and you, you know, you can link it then to yeah. the story it hangs upon. And then there are others where I think you can quite, quite easily follow the, the story of it all. Yes. Um, but this isn't that. This is just uh, on, a, on a theme, which yeah. is the plague. And I, I love how much it really sticks to it. Yeah. It's very tightly, very tightly written with like no fat around that theme particularly. Yeah. And there's some stuff that I think kind of does uh work is like double meanings and oh this could be referring to this yeah there's a lyric in one of the uh pro memoria one i think he's calling out a former band member if so if you go on genius.com and or, look up or, what lyrics yeah. mean right which is what i do sometimes and i won't see am i missing anything glaring mm. when i'm thinking about each of these songs there's always someone commenting in every single song being like, I wonder, is this a reference to the lawsuit? Like, yeah. here's the plague meaning, but here's the lawsuit yeah. meaning. Here's the shade. Yeah. <laughs> here's we're spilling the tea, you know? Yeah. Um, so you kind of do have those double meanings. And I think like that makes sense. There's still a core human emotion, yeah. regardless of the, the imagery and the trappings you yeah. put on it. So you can, I think you can account for all those things mm. amongst that. And in an interview with Billboard, um, with Richard Beinstock in June 2018, he said, I wanted to write a record that was themed around Black Death. There's a lot of similarities to now where we're living in sort of a pre-apocalyptic world. So this is a record about perseverance through trauma and also about survival, because many people think of the Black Death as having been a total annihilation of mankind, but it wasn't. It just wiped out half of European mankind. Yeah. Uh, end quote. Yeah. So... I think that's interesting because yeah. you have this very fixed period of time and like very specific callbacks to that, like rats, yeah. um, like the, the ways in which the plague was spread mm. and the role of the church and all that. Yeah. And you also have, well, it's really just about feeling like we're living in an apocalypse, which, you know, with all the existential dread that I could reference right now, can be what it feels like to live in the here and now also. Mm. So you do create this kind of like connection, yeah. even though it is a very, and I'll talk a bit more about the bombastic sort of nature of, especially the live stuff <laughs> later. Oh yeah. But it, again, it gives it that kind of slightly more grounded layer to it mm. and that way of connecting to it. And people really do connect to this. Yeah. Like it's a very... I am one of them. Oh, <laughs> but it's a very committed fan base. Oh yeah, a very committed fan base. I've seen the fan art. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've seen the fan art. Um, <laughs> Do we need to put a button on that? Oh is yeah, this is a family friendly this show. Is, this is a family show. <laughs> Sorry for all the swearing in the family show. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny. I, I, I mean, I was going to say this later when we were when I was going to talk about the live show, but I do remember like, oh, this is what like being in a crowd during Beatlemania might have felt like yeah. that real because I remember being at like the when, feverish anticipation yeah I remember when we went to see them at the Royal Albert Hall and um, and I was like usually when bands are like how are we doing I'm like yeah, yeah whatever I don't yeah. care I'm, I'm you know I'm dead inside yeah. I'm not going to get enthusiastic for the band <laughs> and I was literally just like ah! 
<laughs> I'm so excited. And I'm like, what's happening? I'm 27. Why am I so excitable? And there's just something about it that I think is very, you're so weak at me doing that. Oh my God, it's different. <laughs> yeah, but it was, you were next to me. <laughs> it's true. I'm very excited. And I think there's something about, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know, I can't pinpoint the exact thing because I don't think there is you one mu- exact Nah, thing. you've definitely thought about it. Even if you can't pinpoint it, there's possible reasons why you feel you have to you'd have to examine like who you are in life yeah you'd have to examine what do what were the things that inspire me what are the things that you know get my goat as it were what are the things that make me feel like alive yeah what are the things you know from that you'd be able to pinpoint why yeah i mean like my my suspicion is it's the theatrics of it all because when I look back at bands who um, excited me, especially when I was like um, like a teenage girl, yeah. which is at peak, it was the theatrical. I liked Evanescence. I liked yeah. My Chemical Romance. Oh, are, does everyone have like a face full of makeup and big mm. outfits? That's my jam. Yeah. And that's what this is. And also like they're just very undeniable tunes. Yeah, it does help when you are writing songs. Like for me, and I, I don't like, I don't want to tread on your toes, but I have to say it. Ghost is essentially what would happen, like as as a way to, if you've never heard Ghost before, as a way to sort of make them make sense if you're not familiar with this sort of style. Imagine if Benny and Bjorn from ABBA had picked up an electric guitar and liked rock music. Absolutely. And were born like ten years later. Yeah. (laughs) There's big. You'd get big ABBA energy. Yeah. Throughout Ghost, especially in terms of like big choruses. Yeah. And it's just so infectious. Yeah. Um, how catchy it is. And like some people, <laughs> there's some backlash to that as well. Because people are like, that's not metal. And I'm like, it never was metal though, was it? <laughs> it had the look of metal. Yeah. But it was never sounding like metal. It doesn't sound like the old stuff. Mm. Even the old stuff was just Blue Oyster Cult sounding. Yeah. Like it, it was never. <laughs> it was never like, you know. Abba meets Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> Yeah, it was never like Norwegian black metal. No, the heaviest, earthiest. No, if you want, if you want, if you want Mr. Forrest to play uh, heavy metal or really heavy metal, just listen to Repugnant. Yeah, like he was in. I fucking love a lot of bands. Repugnant is kind of what I would call this heavy metal (laughs) stuff. Subvision is kind of not metal, but still interesting. I think. And speaking of him, like. Loudwire named him the metal artist of the decade in December 2019, which I think is really interesting mm. because, like we say, I wouldn't call ghost metal. I would call their energy metal, I've but seen, I wouldn't call the sound. I've seen certain metal. prominent commentators. I won't name them because that implies that this opinion, their opinions are actually worth something. But I've seen certain prominent commentators who are like, "I just, I just don't understand why why ghosts are considered metal. They don't sound metal." Oh, you think? Okay, like get over it. Yeah, like I don't. You think... like kicks. You like warrant, and you have the fucking audacity to say the ghost, right? Yeah, I, I, what I don't care for as a as a devoted ghost fan is um, there. I've seen a lot of people being like they're a novelty and just a novelty, I mean... and I'm like, but they're so much more than a novelty. I mean, if they're a novelty, what the fuck a kiss? Yeah, and uh, like, that's there are a lot you know. of novelty bands that I think 
don't have the songs to back it up the difference between that and this is they do have the songs to back it up and the artistic I think, vision yeah to back i think it when up. people say no they just can't stand it's funny because these people will like shit like kiss they'll say like oh artists like david bowie what you mean a bloke who wears makeup you mean blokes who wear makeup so who has a different character yeah, on every album i know you mean. i know it, it's it's just it's yeah. just nonsense those opinions aren't even worth fucking acknowledging pretty much i know yeah. but it's 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 hard to talk about ghosts without acknowledging them but, you do have um, to but and i, I, don't I laugh i laugh at some of the things i read about ghosts like you know if someone says i just cannot stand the music i'm not like, fair enough it's that's, your, that's fine yeah cool but if your if your problem with ghost is you're some sort of you know older fan or older fucking commentator or DJ or pundit, if your problem with ghost is the fact that they are labelled quote metal but they don't sound quote metal, but you admit like, but you enjoy fucking glam rock and hair metal and you enjoy that sh- you enjoy that shit, I just think you haven't got a fucking leg to stand on. They they're not too dis like. Because yeah. I know plenty of people who fucking love all the hair rock and glam rock who also fucking love Ghost because they actually get that very similar sense. things out of it. Yeah. They do. Especially this album. The yeah. 80, I would call it the 80s album. Yeah. <laughs> of all of them. I think the rest are a bit more 60s, 70s. Yeah. And you get much more 80s than this. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have a source for this. It's because I can't remember which interview I heard it or read it in. But like, Tobias Forge has definitely said, like, especially in terms of how they craft their live show, like, one of their biggest influences is like Iron Maiden. Yeah. No one is going to say Iron Maiden isn't metal. They're quite quintessentially metal. Mm. But I can kind of see that. Like I'm not a huge Maiden fan. You know them a lot better yeah. than I do. But I can see. I can see it. the influence yeah. hugely. And it's not like bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, who again everyone is like that's definitely metal. We're not going to argue with that. Um, they have a lot of silly shit going on too. Heavy metal <laughs> is inherently ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> Like I, it is it, it's always been inherently ridiculous like even from its inception for, like Black Sabbath singing about you know what is you know like the fucking devil and shit they don't actually believe that they're not like they're not actually trying to summon the devil Heaven Metal is inherently ridiculous it always has yes. been it always fucking has been and anyone who acts like it isn't or there isn't an element of it is just fucking incorrect but also that's and, what makes it fun yes of course it is. It's very fun to, to be involved in this silliness. You know, there are strands of metal that focus on more serious issues. Sure. There are. But, there, you know, all a lot of it is about Satan and fighting the man and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's inherently silly. It, yeah. It just is. Like, and this is so tongue-in-cheek. Like, this is... There's inherent silliness with a certain sheer of seriousness. This, this lost that years ago. Yeah. Like, this is just... There, it's a theatre it yeah. is um, big theatrics and very much like this is a character and this is more a comment on everything else how rather he, than we're trying to how summon he plays the devil that char- how he plays that character well to my knowledge what it, the, the, the overall sort of like plan of the, the church mm. as it were is to essentially take over the world that's mm-hmm. essentially it's about you know it's about sort of assimilating Mm. taking over culture and you know building power and influence yeah that that is essentially the goal yeah it's not about like oh we're gonna summon satan oh no yeah it, it's but also it's that exact... feels like a comment in itself yeah it's an exact it's it, it like as i mentioned it's like an exact inversion yeah it's basically you just replace the word like you just replace the word catholicism with 
whatever the name they've never actually named no they've never said there's never that that's always something i find really interesting the actual like the church you know they've never named it they never said mm. this is the you know papa emeriticism <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue no. does it doesn't roll off the tongue no and i'm gonna keep talking around the actual album itself for a little for, for just one more kind There's of... There's just so much. There is. I yeah. wanted, I will get into the songs. That's all right. Take but time. I do want to talk one more bit about the characters yeah, surrounding this album specifically. So again, a bit of context. The first anti-Pope was Papa Emeritus. And let's say Papa Emeritus I. Um, who was then followed up, taken away, followed up by his younger brother, we've learnt, Papa Emeritus II. Who was then taken away and replaced by his much younger brother, Papa Emeritus III. Mm. Now, this album cycle, as with all the album cycles, has a series of skits on YouTube to accompany. And what I like about the skits is they go throughout the whole touring cycle as well. It's not just like a little movie they pop yeah. out at the start. So I like that. It keeps it all a bit alive during that kind of, you know, whatever two year yeah. cycle that an album tends to go through. And it opens with a very old Papa looking character who we later learn is uh, Papa Nil and uh, he's their father yeah. and uh, and sister Imperator who is their mother it would seem we learn well, later I think so I, think I, so I mean we're uh, skipping to like video 8 of this series of skits it, it seems like when we take a look at Papa Nil's younger days she constantly refers to leaving him and how yeah. that was the correct choice. So I think she's their mother. Yeah. And it opens with her essentially being like, well, your sons didn't do it. Yeah. You know, got well, nominated, got nominated for two Grammys, didn't win one this yeah. time round. <laughs> so we obviously need to get someone with new young blood in yeah. to kind of keep the growth going. We need to look at internally promoting an internal candidate. Yeah. <laughs> He's one employee of the month the second most amount of time. So we ran out of sons, so we need to bring in his right-hand man, Cardinal Kapaya, who, as you can tell from his title, is not a papa. No. And so the Cardinal is ostensibly younger yeah. but has a creepy mask like they all do like yeah. the paint is on the mask but he doesn't have corpse paint so what no. you have is this very uncanny valley slightly melty faced mask he looks like Bruce Forsyth but it in plastic yes it's very upsetting <laughs> um, and you really notice on the close ups <laughs> that it's not a real face yeah. Even though it's like the shape of a real face, yep. and it's very unsettling, <laughs> very unsettling, and like is it the little moustache? It's the tiny moustache doesn't help, <laughs> and he's very awkward, mm. like a child, but like in a in a middle aged man yeah. on Penny Valley face. And Papa Nil is not not about that life. He no. doesn't think it's a good idea. No. He doesn't think that the cardinal will do a good job. But sister insists. Then mm. it happens, and he's going to take over as yeah. the leader. And we, you know, you have some fun skits, which interestingly, there's like eight of them. Not a whole lot of the cardinal in them. No, really, they're not about the cardinal. They're no. about Papa Nil and sister. Yeah. Um. Because the cardinal in the universe would be out on tour. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be around for most exactly. of Exactly. So he he's there is one video near the end where he is a bigger role, which is just. 
a redo of The Shining. Yeah. And Papanil has his creepy <laughs> child ghost children throughout these videos. Yeah. But they play more role. You have the cardinal going around on his tricycle <laughs> like he's the sun in The Shining. Um, you have a whole storyline before that of the sister getting in a car accident. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed like the the kind of the meta commentaries going throughout it like it's very self referential yeah. it's funny in that the jokes are so stupid like they're yeah. so silly yeah the it's like pantomime yes <laughs> it's like the feeling when someone makes a bad pun yeah and you're like I hate it but I love it yeah like it's that kind of funny um and it ends then with a kind of a, a you know seven inches of satanic panic where they do kind of a pop and nil as young in the sixties yeah doing his bit and there's some they're two good good tracks and do sound very 60s which is quite cool like yeah. the production is very it's a very point. clever way to put out more music yeah like it's a really clever way to quote build your brand and also put out like, it's uh, it's a powerful move it really is and you also have like a really nice video that they just released yeah for the last track on the album life eternal which is like a fan video yeah which that's worth watching if you want to see kind of how committed the fans are yeah and it's it's very really quite sweet and it also documents at the end of this whole album cycle rather than being kidnapped away and replaced like the previous papas yeah. do the cardinal uh finally gets his corpse paint and becomes papa four mm. and so he's gonna lead the next album cycle as yeah. well so it is a whole production. Mm. It isn't just we're going to put out an album and we're going to do a tour and scurry All our music videos will be us playing in a warehouse. Or in, you know, the, a green landscape. Yeah. On, <laughs> on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pantomime. Yeah. Which I really like. <laughs> so I suppose let's talk about the actual album yeah. rather than everything around it. Because I suppose up until now you could just say, well, Kate, that is just a novelty. Yeah. You've, you've just described like a weird internet play yeah <laughs> you just and look I love a weird you've internet described, play you've described fringe theatre I love fringe theatre <laughs> but let's talk about these these tracks so I don't know if this is my favourite ghost album I back and forth Some, sometimes this is my favourite ghost album sometimes it's predecessor Meliora is but I think those two for me are way out ahead of the first two yeah. first two are still good but these two just really push the boat, yeah. I think, a lot more. And so you have, like I say, all these references to Plague throughout. So Ashes opens and it's that riff, you know, that, that, that theme throughout. And also Ring of Rosie, yeah. which is a, a, you know, it's an urban legend yeah. that wasn't really sang during the Plague, I found yeah. out. But we all think of it yeah, culturally. Yeah. So what's, yeah. what's the difference? The characters are very separate. From, from the man yes, still. Delibra- very deliberately. Very deliberately. And he has said, like, there was... Um, in one the voice of the... that he uses on like on stage for all of the papas and the, cardi- and the cardinal is not his normal voice. No. At all. No, no. Like, there's no... It's very deliberate. It's it sounds like so... a normal man when he's a normal man. <laughs> yeah. But the voice he uses it is... The persona that he... We'll talk about that in a bit. Sure. Yeah. And like I was saying, the plague themes are really tight throughout this whole album. Yeah. So like rats is very obvious. Yeah. Rats bring the bubonic yeah. plague. And like I say, there's also this second layer to it all. So like, yeah. what are the rats in your own life? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Who's all coming the for you? Fucking What's the sin? Yeah. Is everything devil or God? Yeah. You know, that that's kind of there throughout. And it was a great first single. 
Oh, it's with a, with a great, very is, beautifully choreographed video. Oh, people were kicking off like, why is he dancing? Because oh! it's such a danceable tune. All that, of the, you could dance to yeah. most of this record and yeah. I loved it. And the dances, the moves that the character is putting in the video, they're not like, you know, just boring, sing, just, they're like, <laughs> they're proper, they're almost deliberately saying to fans, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It's very pop. Yeah. It's very much like... A couple of moves look like he's just straight up what borrowed them from Flashdance. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, it's very pop and what you'd expect a pop star on stage yeah. to do, not necessarily a rock band. Yeah. And this album is so pop. Yeah. Like, there, it, it, it runs the gamut a bit, yeah. but it's so pop and, like, it's so catchy. Like, where it gets the most metal, I suppose, is the next Faith, track, which yeah. is Faith. And it is the best riff on if the Metallica album. If Metallica had written that, people would be saying, oh, it's the best metal riff of the year. Another quote for you, because it's it's very relevant to what yeah. you just said. In a Guitar World interview with Richard Beinstock in July 2018, he said, I wanted to have that sort of attack you hear when you listen to something like Hit the Lights, yeah. where after every drum thing, there's this insane, quick, aggressive guitar bit. I wanted a piece like that, but sounded more evil, and I was able yeah. to do it. I mean, I'm surprised you started Hit the Lights and not Sad But True, but I see where, I do understand where he's coming from, because yeah. like, Faith could, that riff could have easily been on the Black Album. Yeah, easily, and it is it is like like I say that most metal yeah. of songs. I think like Meliora is the same. It has like one like heavy song. <laughs> but, even, but even Faith is the most metal. It's not it metal. Goes, ah! it, there's so it's, much. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I cannot even attempt to hit some of those notes. Yeah, that the backing singers are hitting. So I'm not even going to try. But yeah, and again, you have more of these plague references and this idea of yeah. progress so another theme that kind of runs throughout is like well if people had stopped thinking that you got the plague because you were a sinner and started thinking that it was to do with public health and hygiene mm. we made that progress less people would have probably died but yeah. they were so committed to this idea that like i must have offended god and that's yeah. why i have the plague so yeah. it's that idea again of like well what's standing in the way of progress yeah because you're so committed yeah. to this and then it's followed up by See the Light. I fucking love See the Light. A great I mean, I love it all, song. I love it all too. I think See the Light doesn't get enough love. They've never, I played, agree. They've never played it live and it annoys me. Yeah. I think um, it, it's one of the most like compelling choruses, I think. Yeah. And this is the one people are very much like it's allegorical for the lawsuit. Think of the betrayers, you know? I agree and disagree with that. Because he went, I, I think there's something that's much more overtly referencing the lawsuit in a different song. Oh, yeah. I, look, like yeah. I said, people are saying this about more or less every song at this point. Yeah. They're like, it's about the lawsuit. And he said to Enemy, they said, oh, it sounds like people who've crossed you. And he said, yes, I think it's a song that can apply to any situation yeah. in which you're surrounded by enemies. Really, it's a song about redistributing anger and negativity. Yeah. I so. mean, every day that you feed me with hate, I grow stronger. Yeah. What? <laughs> exactly. And there's such a great, like, drum beat yeah. behind that. Like, really kind of heavy. Yeah. And then you have the first of two instrumentals. So this is an interesting aspect. I think, yeah. And I think you really love Miasma. I cannot even tell you the feelings that this song gives me. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that there's two sizable instrumentals on this album yes like they're not short little well, second throws there's only really seven actual songs yeah like with words and lyrics exactly 
which is surprising. That is surprising. Well, surprising for the standards of now. In yes. in the time of you know, if this was an album from the eighties, this would actually been very. A lot of people don't realize this would have actually been very commonplace. Oh really? Yeah, because albums were shorter for the most part. Got to fill it out with some instrumentals. Yeah, double vinyl triple wasn't necessarily a thing you did that much because yeah. it was more expensive to produce. Ah. Yeah, like look at a lot of the albums that you may love from those times. Like the original, not like the fucking new versions now. They've got yeah. like four hundred bonus tracks, but the originals. A lot of them are like maybe eight, nine songs. Yeah. Maybe forty minutes. That's fair. Like I'm thinking back to like Led Zeppelin albums. That yeah, I they're not quite long. short. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If I ever had a criticism of this record, I always wished there was just one extra song. Not because the songs are bad. They're not. But this is that's just me. Just but as I've ghost. gotten, you know, <laughs> as the time has gone on, that has fallen away because I, you know, I, I think of it in a different way now. Yeah, and I think this this record is really tight. Oh yeah. I don't think there's any fat on this record at all. And you did get your extra track. Yeah, like, <laughs> down yeah. the road. Yeah. So there's exactly. no complaining. You're two yeah. extra tracks. No complaints here. You've got two more songs, boy. You're fine. Yeah, we like it. I don't know. I think I think the first time I heard my asthma, I was like, oh, you know, because instrumentals sometimes get to me. But you do get the, there's a real sweet, it's like a sweet fucking, sax solo it's like a fucking car chase. Yeah, like that song could soundtrack the like the most either a car chase or it could soundtrack mm. like some ridiculous sort of triumphant scene in the movie. That, the, when the saxophone comes in, it just becomes an action movie. Yeah. And when that saxophone comes in, and when I wish, because I'd read a lot of interviews before this record came out, because I was so excited for it. Yeah. I almost wish I hadn't, because I wouldn't have known that that was going to happen. And I think oh, see, I, I didn't know it was going to happen. I think I yeah. would have like exploded. Yeah, I enjoyed the surprise of the sax solo. <laughs> it, it's just, and it's it's. I really enjoyed it live. I thought it would annoy me live, but the way they it's do incredible. this. The way they do it, and it's a great break for um, the cardinal to go have a have an outfit change, which yeah. he has a lot of costume changes in that live yeah. show. And then you have Papa Nil coming out at the end, playing that sweet, sweet sax. Yeah. Oh, it's great. The crowd went fucking ballistic when that happened yes. at the Royal Albert Hall. Because it was great, yeah. and it was unexpected. Yeah. I, thought, I didn't think Papa gonna... Nil was going to be a character in the live show necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. On me, on my I love how it builds. I love how every single instrument gets its moment in the spotlight. Yeah. I like how the keyboard gets its moment as the lead yes. instrument. I like how the bass. I like. I love the bass line to it. I have to say also the the way that this album is produced and mixed. The bass is very high. Nice. And I like it. Yes. As oh, a, I love it. As a former bassist, I love to hear the bass high in the mix. Yeah. And also, having bass high in the mix is a great driver. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really keeps everything moving along. I also think Miasma kind of works as, you know, kind of like an act one closer. Yeah. Again, we're bringing back the theatre here. Yeah. It's kind of, if we think of a three-act structure, you are kind of following that. So this is your little break. And then you go into the second single, which yeah. is Dance Macabre, which I don't have much to say about it, except that it's the obvious Abba dance hit yeah. of the album. I've, I've probably heard it too much to, to give it the deep love I give to other ones, but that's not that song's fault if I listened to it too much when it came out. If that had come out, again, if that was released by a band from, like, if that was released by a band back from the 80s, that would have been a massive hit. Yeah. That, that I, I firmly believe that. The um, the video is also very interesting. The, There's like the original a, video is very interesting. Yeah. It's all... Uh, it's just fans fam- doing... It's not famous. famous yeah, though. it's famous people doing, like, lip syncs and that. I'm, I'm not a big fan of stuff like that. For the... The, the actual video. The actual video. Yeah, the actual video, yeah, because it, yeah. it also it advances the story. Yes. It's, you know, it advances the story and gives you a, 
more and also it has lots of choreo yes again it's a very dance like in terms of the visuals there's yeah. a lot of dancing in the videos and things which i really like yeah it also has a very interesting remix by uh Carpenter Bruce. yes yes i nearly a... said perturbator and i know that was wrong that's great it, it gives it an even more 80s yeah. vibe but i think that if you're only if you're like oh, i'm not sure i only want to listen to one song and kind of test the road listen yeah. to this one listen yeah. to dance macabre that's the one that'll lure you in i think would you say that that's because rats is almost dare i say if you're not into this sort of thing it might be a little bit too much because it's so like especially the chorus a very simple chorus yeah but that because it's so like oh my I, I genuinely think this is like the pop banger of the album i think you could play this on the radio yeah. and not by not by my weird like accessible yeah. rock standard i think you could just play this on the radio all of Annie, most of this yes yeah. But particularly this one. So yeah. this is the one to, you know, whet your appetite to. <laughs> and then you have what I think is actually the climax of the album. Like if this was a story, yeah. if this is the film, this would be the peak, which is Pro Memoria. I think this is, my sense is that this was envisioned to be the, the kind of the, the crown on top of the album. And I, I love the piano particularly yeah. in this. It's, I think it's led by the piano again. Mm. Play the piano, so I love anything with piano yeah. in it. That's that's leading it, and I I think it's an interesting kind of take on memento mori, and um, it's very bold on its surface about uh-huh. like remember you will die. Yeah. Which in the context Don't you of forget this, about your friend death. <laughs> yeah, which in the context of this album makes a lot of sense. It's yeah. about the black death. Yeah. It's not my favourite song, but I do admire it quite a lot. Mm. I'll tell you what my favourite song is very, very soon. But yeah, I, I, I do get the sense that it's supposed to be the... In the way that he is, is in um, Meliora. Okay. I think they're, they're, um, they're corollaries, if yeah, you know what I mean. They are. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. And then what I think is the most underrated track, the sleeper hit for me on this album is Witch Image. Yeah. I don't think Witch Image gets enough love. And you know, it's like about death or the yeah. devil or the Grim Reaper, whoever is essentially coming for you. Yeah. But I, it also has my favourite line on the album, which is, I'm riding in the shadows behind you on a pale white yeah. horse. Do, 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 you never want me to appear. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. And I think because um, things like Dance with Capra and Rats are so instantaneous and they're at the top of the album, that that's what kind of brought me in first, yeah. Because it's near the end and is followed up. It's it's just where it is in the album. I think it's not going to be on your first listen, yeah. Your favorite, but like it's the one that has grown on me the yeah. most over time. I think. I I can see that, even though it's obviously on track eight. The album's only been on for like twenty odd minutes at that point. Yeah. It's not even been on that long. It's it's just this album it absolutely breezes by. It, oh, it, I, I find this album I've always found this album to be incredibly instantaneous yes oh the whole thing is yeah it's, it's but it's and it's trying to sort of rank good against good like yeah. none of the songs on this are bad no it's just some are not in the slightest some are more good <laughs> yeah than others and I think this is also like in terms of imagery probably the most like gruesome one as yeah. well which is interesting considering it is quite like an upbeat instantaneous pop sort of melody yeah because like um, while you sleep in earthly delight someone's flesh is rotting yeah um, and that's yeah rough <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rough to take but very easy to sing along to yeah 
And then you have the second inter and again I think that's like the end of act two yeah. almost. You have the second instrumental, which is a six minute interlude. Can with you try o- and pronounce it? With only I will try in a second. Um but I just think it's interesting that there's only one song after this. Yeah. So it's like we could have just, you know, ridden the high to the end song. Yeah. No, let's stop. Let's yeah. have an instrumental. Helvetis Funster, which means hell window. Ah. And the lower that I've seen on the internet but couldn't confirm and I did get caught down like a weird rabbit hole yeah. trying to confirm this which is that the hell window in like the 14th century the style of dress changed so that you could essentially get like some tasteful side boobs <laughs> and that if you window. like it's, a, it's like a what <laughs> Twitter okay. told me this okay and then I got like I said I got down a weird <laughs> rabbit hole trying to confirm it so that was what Twitter said essentially some tasteful side boob but if you looked at it you were going to hell hence hell window <laughs> now Again, I spent like an hour trying to figure out was this true? And I don't think, in the way that it was framed on Twitter, I couldn't find the evidence for that. I mean... There is, in the 14th century, kind of um, these kind of longer surcoats that do have quite like a long opening, but you wear something underneath it. So yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. All right. I don't think there were women just being like, look at this side Um but I just thought that was funny. That's incredible. It means hell window. It could also just mean a window to hell. Yeah. But that was the... I saw that on Reddit and Twitter it with no su- historical source. Do you know what? It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if it was both. Because Ghost... I need those me, sources, Louis. <laughs> I, I, it wouldn't surprise me simply because Ghost has a very sexual... It does have a sexual element. Of course. There, yeah. But my the issue hot... is the lack of historical evidence. I know, I know. It, it's, it's the sort of thing that it could be alluded to or played to yes not exp- it, that's what I mean I can't I could believe it as being double meaning and here's the thing I, could totally I did believe it, believe it and I would have except I watched too many dress historians on YouTube so I, it drove me to find out was it real so um, listeners if you have that historical evidence hit me up I want to see it I think this is a weird compared to miasma yeah this is weird yeah you have the flute in it. Yep. You have what I think is a nylon guitar. It's it's something more. I can't remember if nylon that, strings yeah, anyway. Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth is on this. I can't remember if he's playing that particular. I part. think he's playing that nylon guitar. Yeah. And there's kind of that kind of medieval sound to yeah. it. You have these motifs from throughout the yeah. album, especially Pro Memoria. And then about halfway through, it picks up and changes timing, and it yeah. just slaps. Yeah. It just slaps and there's great piano might cut that out but I hope you enjoyed it yeah. uh, and if I left it in listeners I hope you enjoyed it <laughs> but it, it really does like out of nowhere just at the point where you're kind of like oh it's a bit of a maybe it's getting to be a bit of a slog yeah because you're like it's six minutes long yeah. oh man it really does pick up and you're like oh I'm back in baby yeah, yeah and I think it's just the weirder of the two and I think probably if I had to make a guess I would say this is the one people probably have the least love for yeah. because it's weird Yeah, I've grown to quite like it I loved it immediately but then again I do like music that you know I do like yeah. progressive music I didn't dislike it but I was kind of like this is weird this is not as instantaneous and poppy until we get to that halfway yeah. point and then and it fades into the finale it does which is my favourite song on the whole record yeah, I was going to I was going to ask what your favourite was well we were building to it so yeah. Life Eternal is the last song on the record and it is by far I think it's always been my favourite song 
because I think it has the most kind of raw emotional center to it like it's still part of this plague story but it feels still very much like it could just be about like death in our world yeah I have to admit the first time I heard it I, I remember so vividly I remember the first time I had this record I bought it um, the day it came out of this had it on the iPod it was going to work and when I got to Life Eternal I'm not even going to fucking sugarcoat it I cried it's very emotional I actually cried yeah I got really really emotionally overwhelmed by it yeah I just sappy as it sounds I kind of thought when I first heard it is this just a straight love song yes it feels like that. I've got more. I've got. Uh, I've got more. I'm sure you have more to say in my about own... the actual possible meanings of this. Because I think there's. Yeah. I th- you could easily interpret this song in about four or five different ways. Yeah, I will tell you one of the meanings I saw online. But I mean, I I didn't write down that many notes about this because I really think what what drives it home for me is that idea that you have throughout the whole album, which is nothing lasts forever. Yeah, and there is this kind of dichotomy between immortality versus mortality and which is actually the one you want here. Yeah. Like, which is the good thing? And one of the interpretations I saw was basically, I mean, this is, I, like I said, I interpreted this album as more around a theme than having like a straight storyline throughout. Yeah. You could interpret it as having a straight storyline throughout. I don't think you need to. Yeah. Um, but if you did interpret it as having a straight storyline throughout, you can have these two characters, yeah. the main boy, the main girl. Yeah. And he essentially has like sold his soul to the Grim Reaper the yeah. devil so he won't die yeah. amongst the plague and she hasn't. Yeah. And what do we do with that? Yeah. Would we want to bring back the dead so they could be with us forever? Would yeah. it be the same? Mm. Um, and uh, like I think you can get that without the sinister gothy kind of storyline with this because I, I do think I do like obviously the first time I heard it, I did not catch any hint of anything else apart from oh this is a beautiful love song oh it's so mm-hmm. sad I mean also if this was a Eurovision song it would win wouldn't it any of these songs could win a Eurovision no but like Life Eternal would win the other songs would do alright Life Eternal would fucking Cause win because it's emotional and catchy and good You'd have to cut about 20 or 30 seconds of it to fit in with the Eurovision song rules. Yeah. Because three and a half minutes is too long. I think it's like three minutes ten. But I said it three years ago and I'll say it now. If it was a Eurovision song, I don't even even think you need to have Ghost doing it. If they just, like, if they didn't even put this on the album, if he just sold it to Swedish Eurovision or whatever. Yeah. It would win. With the right performer, it would win. Sure. Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, like, look, ABBA won the Eurovision, yeah. and they're clearly not the only influence, but a big influence. Yeah. Like, Swedish pop yeah. seems to be a big influence, as well as all the other, yeah. you know, heavier bands, Iron Maiden, all those things. I suppose, what are some of the interpretations you've seen? Cause you mentioned I mean, I've, I've seen, I've sort of thought about it deeply, and, you know, I, I kind of get the impression that you could, you could interpret it as, like, some sort of presence trying to drag you down a sort of de- demonic presence trying to sort of oh, claw its way into your soul can you hear me say your name forever oh, can you okay. see me longing for you forever I would always... you let me touch your soul forever interesting I yeah. never thought about it that way I always thought about it in in some such of a 
either um, some sort of a love way, not necessarily romantic love, but losing someone you love. Also, part of the reason I go to that as a possible interpretation mm -hmm. is the song. So for those of you who don't know, that they have a song in the previous record called He Is. We mentioned it earlier. He Is is basically, if you listen to it, you think, oh, if you first time you listen, you think, oh, this is a beautiful, beautiful love song. It's it's a love song to essentially Satan. Yeah. Or you know, that it's it, that's the easiest way to describe it. This song gives me similar vibes in that you could you you can interpret it, in my opinion, as a love song to some sort of demonic presence. Not necessarily mm. I don't want to say the Christian devil. Yeah. But as a close sort of corollary, I hope I'm saying that right. Either Satan or yeah. Lucifer, or one of one of the one of the devil lads. The character that they kind of pose as their demonic yeah. god, essentially. Yeah. However you want to interpret Lucifer, that. Lucifer, Beelzebub, somebody. Yeah. Big B. The classic, Big the classic devilry of heavy metal. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Throughout, like that, that runs throughout this album as yeah. well. Is different kind of people singing in the first person. Yeah. It's not always like the cardinal yeah. or whatever is the person being like this is my POV yeah. sometimes it's from the perspective of death yeah. or, or the devil and sometimes it's from the perspective of like the main character yeah. or whatever and so it's, it, it is interesting to kind of get that back and forth yeah and those different perspectives mm -hmm. I get that I get yeah. that that's interesting I hadn't really thought about it that way before but I can see it like I, I'm not I don't I don't think it's um, an incorrect interpretation but, and I think that comes back to then, there, there, there often does seem to be two layers yeah. to what's going on here. You, you do have this sort of like larger panto story of this very bombastic, over-the-top theatrical anti-church type yeah. thing. Um, and you have that more kind of like, you know, goth, demonic yeah. sort of heavy metal story. And then you have these very human emotions underneath. Yeah. I think I read years ago um, Amanda Palmer said about songwriting and writing generally like you kind of take some, take things from your life and you put them in a blender and you buzz them up and some people like me do it to about a 2 and other people like Neil Gaiman do it to like an 11 you know so you yeah. can't recognise what's there necessarily yeah. because it's in this new story yeah. but it's there that kind of core of I've experienced this feeling or I've experienced this um you know sensation yeah or or uh emotion and um that's present yeah it's that feeling and emotion which are the same thing yeah essentially <laughs> i mean there's, there's right. therapists who would argue differently but yeah. they're the same thing essentially <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah. so i think you do have that very human level to it and so it does make it ripe for a variety of interpretations mm -hmm. which are you know not necessarily incorrect yeah like all good art yeah you know when you put it out as the world you yeah. take it out of the, the author's hands and, and and it's up to the receivers of that to figure out what it means for them mm. oh so deep so deep so before we finish up i just want to quickly go back to their live show oh yeah which i just want to say like if you do get a chance when when this hellscape how is they over never, how have they not put out a live dvd of some kind they have haven't they no Ceremony and Devotions? That's a live album. Oh, I thought there was a DVD with that. <laughs> Never mind. It's so much fun. I've seen them live three times now. Once on Meliora and twice on this album. And when I first saw them on Meliora, 
I kind of just went because we went to a lot of shows and you were like, this band are good. And I'm like, I like these two singles. I'll yeah. come along. And by the time the show was over, I was like, oh, I am in, boy. I'm going <laughs> to devote, like, I'm going to put a lot more time into this band because it's so silly and so fun. And it's with as they've become bigger and been able to do bigger things with shows yeah. and bigger spaces, it's only become more so. Yeah. Did you enjoy, was it the moment he said, I have a hole in my shoe? It's, it's the, the weird nonsense like that. Um, I don't remember as much detail from that show. I just remember that Papa 3 is lots of fun. And Harry yeah. Kapai uh, is also lots of fun. Yeah. It's like watch. It is genuinely like watching... It, it's like watching Bruce Forsyth front a heavy metal band. Yeah. That really, like... Or any sort of variety vaudeville entertainer. Yes. Yeah. Vaudeville is actually a great show. Because, like, I have friends who are not that into this... Um, type of music like when they were supporting Metallica yeah. for example I have a lot of friends who like went to see Metallica yeah. but wouldn't have known Ghost yeah. and just really enjoyed it because it's a hilarious amount of fun yeah. and that was I don't think as um, big a production as their no, own show because they were be. the support band so it's it's definitely worth your while and like in the current show like spoiler alert because I think they're done this touring cycle yeah. but like he comes out in, a, in his tricycle yeah. and the bands have have like a you know a guitar off yeah and it's it's just very silly like i say many costume changes yeah. in this particular cycle yeah lots of versions of there the are at suits. least three three changes at least three yeah yeah there's there's many many there's many a sort of traditional sort of like cardinal classic yes. vibe and then, then there was the a... that weird white thing with white suit with the black like white with the big hat, hat. the pro was, memoria yeah outfit, i would call it yeah very very look very tight it they're very, very tight. tight suits yeah compared to <laughs> previous iterations yeah. i think the clothes have gotten tighter as uh as yeah. they've gotten bigger yeah. and i suspect i mean you could say there's an artistic reason i suspect it's for ease of movement so yeah. that when you're running around a bigger stage yeah and he doesn't run he walks yeah. he, sh- he doesn't even like he nah, strides yeah he strides <laughs> There's these like hand gestures. He's very particular, yeah, and deliberate. About it, would, it wouldn't movements. fit the character if he was running around like pumping his fist all the time. It just wouldn't fit the character. No. It's very much. I'm going to stand and kind of dominate the yeah. stage with very little movement, but like very deliberate. Hand they are gestures. so deliberate. Yeah. In the olden days, it was when he was portraying much older Paparamaritis Paparamaritis 1 it was very even again he was even like he'd much smaller stages he'd you know be like throwing all the incense about and stuff and yeah. he'd be wearing the big mitre and you know the movements were it was much more like he was just sort of just playing like an old git yeah. as it were as the Papas have gotten younger the movement is much more there is much more movement but there's also much more like present there's much more you know he'll there'll be moments where they stop and there'll be a few minutes of just bizarre like game show level nonsense yes good evening you love saying that you love I your do. you love your your um your cardinal impression this is a beautiful venue this evening <laughs> um and he did and just another quote from him uh so this is from global news these are the sisters of sin <laughs> 
This is from Global News. <laughs> Sorry. With an interview with Adam Wallace in October 2019. He said, the records are like the script or the Bible. They're not meant to feel humoristic. Whereas in our live show, we present the ideas in a humorous way. Not in the sense where we're mocking our Bible or story, but in the same way that a church might go through rituals with children. Where people are giggling, giggling a little because they think it's silly. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Like yeah. It's not just, obviously there's an element of we want this to be a fun live experience. Yeah. You know, considering they call all their shows rituals, yeah. it's very interesting to kind of frame it as almost a sort of like simplified Sunday school. We yeah. gotta make this fun yeah. to take over the world yeah. kind of vibe, which is very funny to mm. me. But uh, but yeah, their live show is so worth your while. I I would put their Royal Albert Hall live show maybe in my top three shows ever. <laughs> yeah, just go see them. Mm. Go see them when they rock around. To your hometown again they play as an eight piece i don't know if they'll continue that if on the next album i hope they add another like three people i don't know what they'll do you, yeah. you're, you only have two keyboard players i mean god do you need any more like i'm, I'm need at least very five interested to see what comes next because he has said it's not going to be like seven inches of satanic panic no it's the next album is the next album it's yeah realistic as of recording it's expected probably towards the end of this year i can't remember if i read this or maybe i dreamed this um that it'll be kind of more back in the more kind of guitar heavy space i'm fine with wherever they go oh i don't care do you know what even if they drop the guitars entirely i know they wouldn't do that they want full synth (laughs) but if it just became a synth pop i'm not even joking when i say i'd be all into it i'll be all in i'll be all in if you made an 80s synth pop record yeah Oh yeah, no, whatever, yeah. whatever they do, because it'll like, probably be better than a lot of those eighty synth yeah. records. Because a lot of those eighty synth records have great singles, like three or four banging tracks, but there's lots of filler on a lot of them. Yeah, different discussion. Anyway, but like it, at the end of the day, no matter what instrumentation or stylings, I think there are. It's just a great songwriting ability. Yeah, a really great ear for choruses and yeah. riffs. Yeah, and like that. I think that kind of transcends genre or whatever you want to because I think they're hard to define genre wise I'd probably say hard rock overall but like they're they they run the gamut yeah are we happy to leave it there my dear yes we are what are you going to talk about next time well next time we're going to go back to the 90s and we are going to look at a film that is we're going to look at a piece of divine 90s cinema we're going to look at the 1993 sci-fi action classic Demolition Man aka the greatest movie of all time okay alright thanks everyone for listening bye bye